<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude, Season 1, Episode 3. Fourth and Dude was more like fourth and turnover on Saturday as the Eagles lost an ugly one to Wake Forest, dropping to one and one on the season. However, the road to 10 and two lives on. Today we'll take you through an extremely brief recap of the game, talk dude or pood, and convince you why this team has a legitimate shot this weekend against Notre Dame, or as I like to call them, Notre, Notre Lame. Hey Matt, thanks for that intro. Uh, you're a little more optimistic than I am. It's week three, and I am already dead inside. Uh, this team is actually not good. Uh, well, if you think of it mathematically, I mean, the road to ten and two is still very much in play. It, it is. I'm personally calling it postponed. I think there are definitely some uh, some major roadblocks right now. I think there's uh, some police activity. The road might be closed. Overall, I am just tremendously concerned with uh, with where this leaves us over the next. Uh, 10 weeks. Yeah, I'll tell you what. So we have nothing good to say about last week. I'll just kind of cut to the chase. Um, there's just there's zero positives we can gain. This was a must win for, for everyone to for anyone that thought we were going to have any any type of successful season. Wake had to be in the bag. And um, not only did we lose, but but we stunk. We absolutely stunk and we got walloped. Yeah, we, we really didn't even show up from the, uh, you know, from the opening tip. I think just, you know, the recap that we will touch on. Obviously, way too many turnovers. We just need to see a different team the rest of the season. Uh, a lot of that is on, on AB. He you know, overthrew a lot of guys, missed a lot of receivers, but the receivers dropped a lot of balls. I think overall we just need our, our offense to mature you know, about four seasons worth over the course of you know, hopefully these last seven days to even allow us to be competitive uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year. If we, you know, if, we, if we had that performance against a team like Wake, I mean, I'm quite frankly just terrified about how we're going to look going up against, you know, uh, Clemson's and Florida State's and really anyone else in the ACC. You know what I think? I don't think we're actually as bad as everyone thinks we were. Uh, t- turnovers are turnovers. That's a fact. For sure is. That is a fact. <laughs> it's a hot take there, but I like but, it. But you take away the four turnovers, and then I'll even throw the, uh, the 24-yard loss on the missed snap. Uh, you lose the ball in your own. Which, territory. by the way, that just—that was so frustrating. We were driving that actually, were, that drive actually yeah, looked really well. It was, was a great throw to Smith. They got two I, or three first downs. They were driving oh down gosh. the field. I count that <laughs> with the turnovers. Um, yeah, I think but, that's fair. You lose the ball four times. Hellman, Hellman's fumble, I think, was in our own what twenty, twenty-five. 20, yeah, gave him, around gave the twenty. Him a yep. touchdown. You yep. can't, you can't do that. The two, the the was it Kobe White both times that, that tipped it up to the receivers. Uh, the it, interceptions. It was definitely him once. I don't know. I think I don't he know definitely tipped it, and then I, I think he fell down on his root the second yeah, one. So yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah. um, no, so you take away those turnovers, and 
it's anyone's game. And I know that's that's easy to say, but they actually didn't play that bad. The defense I thought was was better than it's than it was week one, honestly. I know they gave up yeah, a lot we more put points. The, we, but, put the, we put the defense in no position to succeed, so I don't disagree with and you there. The offense, you know, the the you look at Brown's stat line and it it was horrible, but like you were saying earlier, I mean, they moved the ball for, for on multiple drives. You knew it was going to be a defensive struggle. You, Wake's defense is very underrated. People forget that Wake's actually a pretty good football team. They won a bowl last year. You know, this isn't the Wake that, that we're used to of a couple of years ago. So while it's a very bad loss and it's one that we needed if we wanted to have a good year, it's not as though, you know, we, we lost to UConn, right? It, I mean, we still have hope. Wake's, Wake could, could very easily go 8-4 and four this year, you know, and then is it really that bad of a loss? I don't think so. That's how I'm looking at it. You take away the yeah. turnovers, it's anyone's game, and Wake's a pretty damn good football team. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would certainly love to have some of what you're having. I'm, I'm putting this in the conversation as the worst loss in the Adazio era. Um, sounds like you and I are not on the same page that's, on that that's one. That's a little ridiculous. I mean, I really do. I mean, I, I have them all right here, by the way. I mean, I have them, I think, by the way, since our freshman year when we started this whole debacle of Boston College sports, I have this out as my fifth worst of all time. And uh, I will run through those quickly just to remind you of how miserable these past eight years have been. You know what Wake's uh, like? Wake's like an, they play like an intramural, like the, the intramural football teams at BC. A very, that's not a very good that's not intramural team. Well, they're a very good intramural team. But that's how their quarterback plays, where he's running all over the field. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's Wake Forest and I, I understand it, it's, it's Wake Forest, but it's a good Wake Forest team. That's my whole point in all this. I, I guess I still have this. So obviously it's 2012 at Army. That was horrible. The 2015 Wake three, nothing. Are, are these in order? Pathetic. These are in order from worse to not as bad. Uh, 2011, the Duke missed field goal at the last minute. That gave us the beautiful middle Schmidl quote from, uh, former head coach Frank Spaziani. Also from that year, 2011, at UCF, lost 30-3, to I believe, in Week 2. Uh, infamous for Spaz, punching our offensive coordinator, Kevin Rogers, in the face at halftime. Uh, and then I have this this game, uh, the 2017 Wake game, Wake game at number 5, I think. I don't you love know, this like, list, by the way. I'll, and I'll, I, tell, I'll tell you why. If you have These any, games I, don't matter. I, 2012 at Army, you know, we were both there for it. It was probably the single worst feeling, driving six hours to – to wherever upstate West New York, Point, West Point, and right. to, to a basically FCS team. I mean, they're actually not bad this year, but historically, yeah, and that's, were, that's pathetic. Yeah, and I think we went two and ten. The theme with all these is that we're having shitty years anyway. So I understand that the purpose of the list. How about how about 2014 Colorado State? That was that was on my honorable mentions. I think if, I had that around six or seven. If I had to place it, that was really bad. So yeah, 2014 really bad. is Tyler Murphy. If we win that game and we should, we gave that away in the fourth quarter. They would have been eight and four that year. That's a, you know, and not to get too sidetracked, that's a, that's a weird year. You look at, that's a game we obviously should have won if we didn't give that away. I think if we played Pitt any other week, we beat Pitt. Uh, I think we hung with Florida State when they were number one at the time. You and know, Clemson. We, were, uh, we played Clemson close to that year. Like, in all seriousness, you know, we it's been really bad, and I, and I know it's, it's you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, we hit a lot of hyperboles here about how, you know, 10-2, and two, whatever. That was a year where we kind of had everything right in front of us. If you were to somehow put the defense from the next year when we were terrible on that, Team, I, I mean, I seriously think that's an ACC championship contender. Um, but they again, took, they took a little bit to figure out how good Murphy they, was too. They like did, if, right? If we, so that's if we played Pitt later. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If we played Pitt later in the year, that's a that's a win. Right. And right. that wasn't we a close game. A thousand times that game. It wasn't but, a close game, but you know, I think we only lost by ten points. I don't know. Yeah. That thing yeah, we were a better been different. Team Pitt, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, but anyways, I think I think I hope that's enough on Wake. We're we're gonna yeah, we're of done. turn the page. We're done with on the Wake. football. Well, two two other. Yeah, I, I have I have just a, a housekeeping item here. Yeah. Um, 
so neither of us were at the game, right? I was in I was in New York. You were in D.C. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what what your game watch situation was like. We went back to Dewey's, and um, I don't know if I can blame Dewey's for this because it seems like it was a problem everywhere. But the the watch ESPN or the ACC network was horrible. It was yep. embarrassing. Yeah, we only ended up seeing about fifty percent of the of the plays, I think, because it kept skipping all over the place. Which you know, the joke is that you know it was probably for the best anyway. But still, <laughs> you, you, you're a game, you're an official game watch bar, and I don't know the IT behind it. But well, actually, I did. I, I went up to the guy at one point. And was like, hey, do you guys need like an Ethernet cord? Can we plug in like hardwire in here? It shouldn't be rocket science. Um, so that was kind of a. Uh, not my official pood, but that was a that was a pood of uh, of Saturday for sure. Yeah, I hear you. So my game watch experience, uh, I just happened to stumble into the official Wake Forest game watch of DC, just literally completely by chance, uh, which was wild. Uh, but they had the same problems. The ESPN three didn't work at all for the first probably half of the quarter, first quarter. Um, they did figure it out. They eventually hooked up an Apple TV and just kind of went direct. So like it, it did get better. I will say that. Um, but everything I saw on Twitter as well, you know, beyond just New York and, and DC was that, you know, people at home, it was, it was horrible as well. So I think that, you know, if we were to crowdsource our, our dude or pood this week, uh, you know, other than all the turnovers, I think the, uh, horrible connectivity on the you know debut of this whole ACC network extra, uh, would probably be the most popular pood, uh, out on the table. Also just for missing the game, but just to touch on it as well, first day ever of beer and alumni. Uh, not sure what you heard, but the numbers that I was getting was $8 Bud and Bud Lights, which, depending on the size of the can, actually isn't bad at all. These are just well, like let ounces. me stop you right 12 there. 12 ounces are not good. But. The fact that they're, they're cans. I, I, did you read that? I, they don't have anything. They don't, they don't have uh, uh, like taps. They don't have oh, anything course, on draft. Oh, of course. That makes sense. They're not going to. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're not going to. What do you mean? They're, what are they bringing in? They're bringing in cans and they're, and they're cracking yes. open cans and, and pouring those into cups. I could do yeah. that. I could do that in my in my front yard. Like what? Yeah, this, but but you're not watching a college in, football game. But they're that investing. But yeah, but that's not sustainable. That's they, that's oh, why I, the lines are, are so long, Matt. That's I mean that's the only reason because okay, so you have you have the, the women's field hockey club team uh, cracking open Bud Light cans and then probably foaming them up the entire cup. And I don't know. I, I thought that if if they're investing in beer and alumni, great. But why don't you invest if you're going to invest? Yeah, because they decided to invest two weeks before the season started, and I think you're you're underestimating the uh, the overhaul that's necessary for you know a, a complete retrofit of Alumni Stadium with with keg lines both levels. I'm okay with that. The the you know think about like how many stadiums you go to and you get the metal uh, you know beer bottles from Bud Light. That's kind of what I was expecting. If it is in fact cans and pouring them into cups right there, that's you know an issue that that hopefully uh, you know someone will get in Marty's ear about that and he'll and he'll figure it out. Um, but $8 button Bud Lights is fine if it's, you know, 16 ounces or more for a 12 ounce can, which I'm guessing is what we have. That's not good. Uh, again, like you said, the reports of very long beer lines, nothing too close to the student young alumni section, except well, for right well, below the, uh, opposing fans. Not section. even that. Yeah. They, they put it right in the, uh, in the opposing section. So you have to, you have to walk over the, the opposing fans. I can't yeah, wait which to we'll I can't, this weekend. I can't so, yeah, wait yeah, to dump a beer on, on a Notre Dame me, fan. I can't that wait for Florida that. State are not are not uh, are the two home games that I look forward to least it? in the sense of I know we're getting off, fans off. They're just horrible. We're getting, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but sure. How hard is it to bring in a keg from anywhere, put it in a in a drawer? My my in laws have that in their in their garage. Like how, how difficult is it to do that? I in think I think you're I think you're vastly. Un- I mean, think about like if no, you go to Fenway or anything. They, they you know they have so many different kegs. They have a they have a keg room at stadiums. Uh, I saw actually a good special on it on Madison Square Garden one time. They had this massive 
massive, massive beer room that just has, you know, literally a thousand kegs, one room, and it's connected to the entire stadium, the rich seats, the nosebleeds, whatever. Um, they would need to, and I would imagine if this first season is deemed a success, something they would revisit over the spring and summer is actually, you know, outfitting alumni with those capabilities. But, you know, for them to pass this legislation, what, three weeks before the season and just say, all right, here's hoping that we're going to have a full, you know, state-of-the-art system. You know, again, I don't think it's it's a huge deal. I don't think you do either, but. I think that you if know, they had, I hear, a, I hear you. If it was a shitstorm for Wake Forest, when maybe well, I don't know, thirty k people at the game, what's going to happen this weekend? I think it's yeah, it'll be, be a, it'll be slow. It'll be slow. But also, you know, the reports of people. I'm still bringing some too. in, Matt, and this is off the record. I'm still bringing yes, some. Yes, of in. course, of course, we're an unofficial BC podcast. You can say that. Uh, the other complaints I heard were that you know, like the lines were long when people went like a minute before halftime. Like, come on, that's all you. <laughs> I did see that. Like, you know, you're, like going into a sports, uh, right? Any sort the of event, is, not even the sports. key is. You go in, and as you're going to your seats, you stop and you get whatever the maximum they give you is. I'm assuming two, but it wouldn't shock me if it was just one. But whatever, you get nah, two. two. I heard you, two. Is it two? All right, that's good. So you go to your seats, and then once you finish those, around the end of the first quarter, mid first quarter, you go get more. You keep reloading. You just avoid the end of the quarters, and you avoid the half times. It's not that hard of a game, but whatever. We, we, we spend too much time on that. Let's. Uh, if you, you do it when BC is uh, on offense. Chances are you'll hit the double commercial because there'll be a, That's a true. couple quick punts. Pun, and exactly. Pun, pun. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. That's smart. Um, um, Matt, do you want to run into Dude of the Week here? Uh, yeah. I, I, Matt, let's do Dude of the Week here. Um, right. I love it. I yeah. Love it. Uh, do you want to you go first, actually? All right. I'll go first. I don't, I don't love mine this week, but I just I thought this, this person is uh, holding a special place in my heart and definitely deserves a shout out. So, uh, for those of you who have been following us on Twitter, at Fourth and Dude, uh, we've had some, I think, pretty good tweets. We just brought on a new head of social media. Uh, shout out to that guy. He's doing a pretty good job. But uh, we have this gentleman or, or female. We have no idea who it is. It's a protected account who literally likes or retweets, I would say, 95% of everything that comes out of the at Fourth and Dude Twitter handle. I, I have no idea who this person is. Again, male, female, young, old, no idea. But shout out to that person. It does miles for our confidence. Literally any tweet we go to. It within says, minutes, you know, too. It's within like, minutes. It's, it's, he's it's, quick. It's a like. It's a retweet. But it's a protected account. I have no idea who this guy is. I have a couple theories. i got to figure out. i got to figure out and then just, you know, buy him as many beers as I can in alumni this weekend. Because he is, uh, he or she, I should say, uh, is just an absolute treasure trove for uh for our confidence as we're uh, putting these tweets out. I, we're going to find out who that is. We'll find out this weekend on Bright. Someone's going to just, just Yeah, we don't forward. have, let me put it this way. We don't have enough followers. Right, to, right. You know, we can't we, hide we can do an investigation here. Uh, similarly, and it actually could be this guy. You never know. Uh, my dude of the week is going to be Young Kim. Everyone knows yeah, who he yep. is by now. Um, he was the guy, and I don't know if we have the clip, but he was the guy that was that was interviewed by Nesson. Um, in the mod lot, so kind of kind of a nerd alert situation there. If you want a real tailgate, come to Brighton. Um, but this kid looked like he had never spoken the the English language in a normal right, conversation. Yeah, well, okay. you can't say he, you're right. I can't say that because I didn't mean it like that. Okay. He looked like he had never had any type of. I, I don't know how to say this, but he he was. Yeah, I'll um, throw the I'll throw the clip in here. I'll throw the clip in here just so we can get uh, get an idea. Everyone's seen it by now, anyway. But but it went about as viral as you. This kid was electric. The the Nesson reporter was basically asking him, "Hey, what's your what's your tailgate style?" Which is a tough question. I don't know how I'd answer that. Wake Forest sucks. What even is a Demon Deacon? What are those? <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about your tailgating style here. Our tailgating style, um. Game. Just what? Let's go! Let's go! All right, but seriously, just drink a lot of water because it's gonna get thirsty. Woo! 
this kid, I'll tell you what, we need more of it. We need a lot more of that. If everyone, if all the super fans had young Kim's enthusiasm, no doubt in my mind we'd go undefeated. Uh, is he is he a nerd? Absolutely. But you know what? Now's the time to be a nerd. So. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I think I think I'll say I have two feelings about him. First of all, I absolutely, again, like you said, just love him. That enthusiasm is, you know, absolutely electric. And then same thing, you know, we have so many kids at BC who, you know, are just, uh, you know, they they obviously root for the Eagles, but this kid like is is legitimately upset. His weekend was ruined after that thirty-four time performance, and you know, I know it's at the end of the day college football for a mediocre to not good team, but. We need that, uh, you know, people caring that much and actually investing that much into this program. I don't know that uh, he understands the football component as much as the game day, but I don't think you need to. I, I think that as long as he's he's there, he shows up to the stadium and cheers when everyone else cheers. That's all I need, and I need him leading the charge. I don't care if he yeah. understands the game or not. I could I could I could watch that video, you know, a thousand times, and every time he kind of stutters, he doesn't know what to say, and he just goes, "It's just ah." Yeah, I mean, I, it gets me every time. So shout out to that guy. It does horrible things for our. Hey, you know, we actually have good tailgates and we're not all nerds argument, but you know, whatever, that's, that's for another day, I guess right now. I'm just happy to, uh, see our name in the, uh, in the news. No press is bad press. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. All right. And with that, let's go into everyone's favorite segment, dude or pood. I'll tell you what, by the way, this is gaining more traction each week. Uh, the fans just keep clamoring for more dude or pood. I think when we originally started the title, we were, you know, a little concerned with, you know, the title wouldn't catch on, but, uh, this has been a real spark plug. So I appreciate all the, uh, all the love we've gotten so far. It's funny, looking back on it now, it's such a no-brainer. We were thinking about changing it to dude or dud at the beginning. It's horrible. Just to be more family-friendly. It's terrible. And we stuck to our guns, so I'm pretty happy with that. Never lose your dinosaur. Um, hey, Matt, can I go now? Yeah, please go ahead. All right. My pood, you mentioned tailgating. Um, apparently, Brighton is now like Fort Knox. Like, you, you can't get on. Everything's fenced off. It's like Shea 2.0. Um, we don't know for sure. We weren't there. I heard from a couple first-hand accounts, however, that, um, you know, they're scanning tickets. You're only allowed to come in from one entrance. And we, we love Brighton. We've been on Brighton the last three years, or before we moved to New York at least. Um, and it was everything that Shea should have been but wasn't. It was, it was basically SEC country. Um, it was awesome. You could come from anywhere. You could bring beer. You know, there was really no rules on, on Brighton. It sounds like uh, you know, that was too good to be true, and they're starting to uh, you know, you know, treat it, treat it like a Shea 2.0. So that's, that's my point. Right, I'm going to, we'll, again, again, we'll see, we'll see Saturday if it's as bad as everyone's. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to strongly disagree with you here. Uh, I had a lengthy blog post written about this fourth and dude.blogspot.com. This is not a big that's, deal. That's why all. it's my food. I wanted to put, yeah, <laughs> we can plug the blog, get the page views up. Look, this is, this is just not a big deal at all. At the end of the day, I think I've seen the comparisons to the Shea wristbands, the Shea wristbands policy, especially for USC is horrible. That basically said, Hey, you're paying a bunch of money for this tailgate spot, but you can only bring, you know, six friends and that's it. This is saying you paid a bunch of money for your tailgate spot. Literally anyone can come or up to 44,500 people can come. They just need to have some intent of actually supporting the football game from a BC perspective. It's a no brainer because you're, you know, essentially saying, uh, look, you know, you have people drinking on campus and, you know, we're paying for security. We're paying for cleaning. We have to deal with the neighbors. We have to deal with the permits, whatever. Why do they just want to give you this right to just go on? No problem without, you know, any collateral saying, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to support the team. And then from, you know, from, from a fan's perspective, look, I think the best part about college tailgating is that you're kind of living and, in, 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 you know, dying with this team and, and your tailgate is getting excited about what you're going to go watch and commiserating, whatever it might be. If you're just there with, you know, a bunch of just basically random people who don't, you know, give a shit about the Eagles or about the college football, or whatever. It just kind of takes the fun out of it. So Matt, I think this is a nothing you, controversy and it's all fake outrage. Let's say that you bought season tickets, right? 
and let's say they're the, they're the, the ones that aren't electronic, right? They're the, they're the real tickets. You're meeting someone. Uh, say I'm meeting you. You bought season tickets. I can't enter. I can't enter Brighton until you get there and you give me my ticket. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think there are a ton, or a ton of logistical I'm, issues here. A ton of logistical. I'm, issues. Uh, a family member of a player, and I, you know, I have to go to will call first, and then go all the way back to out to Brighton. I think it's. I mean, if they're actually doing this, and again, that's the caveat. We have. They are. They are hand. doing this. They are definitely doing this. But are they scanning them? That's. I mean, there's. A, I'm okay if they're not scanning. They them. are scanning them because that's what they absolutely well, that's, are scanning. That's, them. Because that's they know how ridiculous. How stupid would they it's, be to put this in place when you could just make a photocopy of a ticket? Obviously, they're scanning them. The way that, I agree. I agree with you. It's a good way. I mean, everyone should be going to the game anyway. But I also there's a lot of extra, you know, extraneous situations yes. where that's not always the case. Where you don't have your ticket on you, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's just relax. So just, nothing was wrong with Brighton. Just don't. Just don't touch it. I don't disagree with you. I think that there are definitely logistical issues, the will call, the meeting people for tickets, the, uh, you know, athletes, whatever. So I'm not saying it's a perfect system right now, but to see people compare this to the Shea policy is, you know, quite frankly offensive to us that suffered through, you know, what we suffered through. I mean, if you remember that night, it was literally all hell broke loose on, you know, on, on Twitter and just kind of on the entire BC community. I think out of our tailgate spot, which we bought in with, you know, like 20 people, you know, we had 20 different emails out to Brad Bates. We were telling him to, you know, eat ass, to retire, to, yep. you know, leave BC altogether. Now, we ended up winning that battle we, because we, we collectively we got ended up getting, wristbands, which was phenomenal. We got so many wristbands, and we were selling them. And we actually weren't selling we were them. We could have yeah, sold, them, sold them. But Those were more so – I mean, but – for everyone else that didn't figure it out, I mean, they were just they were just fucked, right? right? I mean, so and so, it, the whole premise of the wristbands was ridiculous, and I agree with that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you had something that was great, something that every other school in the country pretty much does already, and you you well, kind of ruined so it. So the only counterpoint I'll give to that argument is that at every other school in the country, this isn't necessary because if you go to a tailgate at Penn State or if you go to a tailgate at Alabama, you know that everyone there actually you know gives a shit about the nah. team that they're watching and they're either going to go in if they can or if it's sold out they're going to go watch somewhere this is literally you're getting you know nobodies with no affiliation with bc you know other than hey they have a friend that you know went there and and that's the extent of it and to be honest there's too much on the line from bc's perspective with their standing in the neighborhood with you know the neighbors the the alcohol permitting whatever it's just not worth the risk to just say hey anyone in the greater boston area can go drink outside here and run wild there's there's just too much on the table and i you know why was it allowed last logistical year, issues now it's a problem this year because it's only calling the shot because it's only I, been around no. it's only been around for two years so they're learning as they go but there were no issues last year like that should that, that should tell there, you something. there were no just issues that leave we, us that leave we us alone about, that we know about oh, come on we were there we were talking to the guy every every single day he was giving us the updates that way it went as smoothly as for three years as it could have why why are you touching it i don't know worry I, about you know I, I think the idea is good i think that Yes, there are some logistical issues that need to be worked out, but I think overall, people are you know jumping into fake outrage on this and, and kind of just getting upset to get upset. I can't wait until you're you're going in the wrong entrance on Saturday and can't get in. <laughs> well, I'm not scan. I can't wait. You can't tailgate. Well, I, I got went all the way up to, to Boston for that. I, well, you know, so, first of all, we always have the mob laugh in your face. Second of all, I'm the keeper of the tickets right now. I have all eight. T- I have eight tickets for for eight of yeah, us. Can you so I have to figure out how to how to meet up with everyone to, to give them at some point. So that'll be a challenge. Uh, wait, is that, that is that not emailable? No, they're 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 hard copies. But this is exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. So, I see it. so we have to. Oh my god. We're gonna figure it out. I'm not. I'm not concerned. Uh, actually, this does. What's your pood? Go ahead. My pood. Uh, ha- hang on, we haven't done dude. So this actually segues nicely into my dude here because I think that the reason I'm not so concerned about passing on the tickets is because this has been moved to a 3:30 start time. Uh, 
that was a really nice treat, I think, over the course of the year. I think when the you know schedules first came out, we saw Notre Dame at noon. Everyone was a little, uh, you know, taken aback and just, you know, hey, this is like our big rivalry game. We're on national TV, but it's a noon game. I mean, that's the kiss of death. So uh, seeing it get pushed back to 3.30 was nice, and it does allow me to, you know, meet up with everyone beforehand. We'll go to, you know, Rogie's or somewhere else. Uh, you know, around nine o'clock and, and plenty of time to pass out tickets. I will say that I think that this was moved because of in some way, shape or form the hurricane. So I don't want to say, you know, thanks for the hurricane. Uh, obviously, we wish our friends down south. Well, uh, I will just Is say that true. I, think, I thought I it was just so. they, were, they were putting Clemson in Louisville. I, I heard that, was I heard, that, that, I heard that it was basically a, a pretty big domino effect. Um, you know, of a lot of different games that, that kind of shifted us up. Um, but Clemson, Louisville being the kind of final piece of the puzzle, but I don't know if they were just flexed in or if there was, you know, some other game. But anyways, uh, that is that is my food. I'm actually really psyched about the 3.30 start. I'm a big believer, and that's the uh, – I think that's the best start time because you still have the post-game tailgate available. Agreed. We agree on that. Um, I'll go ahead with my dude. Um, my dude's going to be Manti Teo. Um, <laughs> okay. People I'll hear forget. you out. <laughs> People forget how ridiculous this guy. I don't know. I didn't know where this fit in. He's not really my a dude, but this whole story. And let's let's just take it back to 2012. We were seniors at, at, at BC. I remember like it was yesterday, and this story started to break out, and no one knew it was happening. The catfish show had just started, but when when all the dust had settled, you had Manti Teo, whose girlfriend died in September. Except wait. She actually never existed. And then not only that, but she was concocted. This fake person was concocted by uh, a cousin of Marcus Tuiasi Sopo. Ronnie Tuiasi Sopo is the the fact that he was he was involved. Gentlemen. Um, So this is broad. Can I say broad? This broad Lenny Kakua, um, you know, pretty much inspired this Heisman season that that Teo had. Um, what's interesting to note is that he found out this was all a hoax in, in December, but he kept doing interviews saying, yeah, man, I'm just, you know, I'm playing for Lene. And, uh, you know, to his credit, I actually, I can kind of see that. I think that rather than say, you have hey, to go with college it, right? game day until, until and I told breaks. everyone that I had this, I'm this, you know, star linebacker and I had a fake girlfriend. I think you just roll with it forever. Uh, one, it's one of my fun facts jumping ahead just a bit, but this is actually the five year anniversary this week was of her death. Uh, so thoughts right. and prayers to right. Lene and Manti. Uh, my only concern is that they don't get any extra motivation Notre Dame out of this. Five years ago when this happened, you know, the team went out and really, you know, won one for Manti and his dead girlfriend uh, gave him the game ball and all that. So fingers crossed that uh, five years later, her, her Although, ghost isn't, isn't pushing him over the finish line. When it all came out, it was a hoax, though. You remember, didn't they play? That was when they played Bama in the national championship. And just, they mopped the floor. Yep. I think it was like 42 to 14 yeah, was, or something was, like it that. It was fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that, that's my, that's my dude, not my dude of the week. That's young Kim, but similar, uh, similar situation. <laughs> just a whole scenario. I don't, don't say, don't say situation is yeah, my dude. Yeah, Teo getting catfished is your dude. Um, right. All right. I'll go with my pood then. My pood is going to be the, uh, lack of red bandana jerseys this week. Uh, they're saving them for the Florida state game, which is on October 27th. So, you know, basically two months after, um, you know, when I think the jerseys are obviously made to commemorate Wells Crowley, the you know, complete hero, but he's a 9-11 hero. And they first came out with USC, which was the weekend, you know, the, the closest game to 9-11. Last year, I think they were two weeks off. Um, and now it just seems like they've completely lost 
we're getting further and further. Yeah. And, and I get it, right? I mean, Notre Dame is a draw in and of itself. You don't need the, the extra hype, but it's, it's you know, it's the red band. I mean, this is right it's, in front it's of It's 9-11. Right? Like, exactly. Right, exactly. It's not Central I mean, Michigan. If this was Central Michigan, I get it. But this right. is this is the perfect opportunity. So the only other thing. Well, this, isn't a, this isn't a business decision right. either. It's right. like, this is the story. And by the way, gonna... quite frankly, you know, if we want to talk about, okay, these jerseys actually are inspiring and they clearly were against USC. Uh you know, let's inspire us against Notre Dame. This is someone who's now beaten us four straight, five straight games. Uh, you know, our biggest rival from our perspective, at least. We need to, you know, give all the, you know, basically throw everything we have against the wall right now. This is like just absolute perfect, uh, you know, the perfect opportunity to bring them out, to bring out the Crowthers, have a really nice ceremony. Um, and they've just, you know, I don't want to say they're kind of taking some of it out, you know, taking the effect out of it, but they kind of are by moving this to late October. It, it definitely, I think, loses some of the, uh, you know, some of the power. I will say my only counterpoint here is I texted you this uh, the other day. I have a funny feeling that this means that they're doing some wacky jerseys uh, for this game. Under Armour must be cooking something up. I just think that this is, you, it's you too obvious. It's too obvious to put it on this game. <laughs> BC is really bad at connecting I, I get dots it, but, like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that they, they said, oh, we have Florida State coming. It's a Friday night game. I mean, and they usually do like they have done this historically on, it's always on been primetime game. games, yeah, it's always right? Been game, so but you know that you're going to have you know the national audience I mean, the I, only game at that time, which I get, I get that side of it. But you're going to do it in October, late October. Yeah, I just, I just have to think that Under Armour knows what they're doing enough to actually say, all right, this is a bad idea. You know, they obviously came out with those awesome throwbacks uh, at Fenway. I'm not saying I'd expect those, but. I just feel like they have something up their sleeves so that they're not just going to have us being like, why on earth do we waste this for, you know, not our biggest rival. But anyways, uh, that is our dude and pood respectively of the week. Um, so next segment here is actually a new one that we're introducing. Uh, the working title right now that we're going with is Eagles in the wild. So this is essentially just going to be an update on anything noteworthy of, uh, you know, any BC sports alumni in uh, you know, in their respective professions, whether it's, uh, you know, big performance or just kind of noteworthy, noteworthy events. So this one comes from uh, all the way from Hawaii. So Sean Duggan was a linebacker class of 2015. He's now the linebackers coach uh, in Hawaii, which is also where Manti Teo is from. So <laughs> People, yeah, that's a good, there. that's a nice little connect the dots. Uh, so, as linebackers coach of Hawaii, he dislocated his wrist trying to chest bump a six foot seven, three hundred pound linebacker after a block punt against an FCS team uh, two weeks ago. Big football guy moved though; he was right back on the sidelines in a sling. Uh, but just great to see BC doing uh, doing BC things. The news broke on Thursday of last week. I thought it was a really good indication of the week that we were going to have ahead of us with you know one of our uh, you know he he was a phenomenal linebacker in his time here and. Uh, he's back in the news again, going viral by uh, by breaking uh, or dislocating a wrist as an assistant coach. So Eagles in the wild. Good one. Shout out That's to Sean Duggan, and, and hopefully this segment will bring us some uh, some good stuff going forward. I wasn't prepared for this segment, but I will say this: having the, the Carolina D on fantasy is is phenomenal. Um, hey Matt, do you have any wins this this year in, in fantasy? Yeah, yet? we had a, we had a tough bet. I thought I was gonna thought I was gonna sneak that out there. Yeah. Um, so I so Matt's Matt hasn't won any games yet. He actually has less losses or less wins than than Boston College does. Yep. Just Owen um, won. one by a single yeah. point by a single point to you. So we'll uh, yeah. we'll keep going. Let's just get up. We do have other here. we do have other friends. By the way. <laughs> we, we just happen out, to be though. playing each other. We rigged the schedule. There are, the, there are other people in the league. That's as true. Well. <laughs> I think so. Um, at least who knows? I, I haven't checked on playing this week. It might be you again. Anyways. Let's, uh, All right, let's we're, dive we're into Notre Dame, huh? Let's dive into Notre, Notre Dame, Dame weekend. Let's, yeah. let's get into it. So, you know, it's, 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 it's our biggest rivalry from our perspective. I do think it gets lost a little bit because I think the reality is that, you know, we're, we are, you know, just not a big deal to them, but that doesn't stop us from hating them any less. 
Uh, That's recent history, though. It I is mean, recent history. We, we recent mattered history. quite a bit when we had our own six-game winning streak, you know, from, was it 2008 and prior to that? Yeah, we 2001 had to 2008, exactly. So um, hopefully things will turn around uh, as we'll get into their, their on a hot streak against us, five wins in a row coming in, looking to tie the uh, the series record, which we, again, set as six wins. But uh, as we always do, we're going to just start it off with uh, fun facts, notable alumni. Uh, roll that I got into one. Uh, tailgate ability rankings and then kind of get into the game. So uh, let's start with some fun facts about about uh, the University of Notre Dame. I read this somewhere. Um, approximately 96.9% of Notre Dame fans actually did not attend the school. Huh. Um, so that's a that's a fun fact. Yeah, that is a fun fact. Um, yeah, so that's um, so I've got a couple know, something to note. Yeah, I got, I got a couple fun ones here. Uh, Brian Kelly. Well, we went to we went to just to just to interrupt sure. you there. You know, we did the road trip to, to Notre Dame in 2012, 2011, and, um, you know, it was great, great tailgate setup and all that, and we met a lot of Notre Dame fans, and, you know, I said we met 100 of them. I think maybe three of them actually had any type of connection other than living within, you know, a 400-mile or just being Irish, um, so that's just I will that's say, something to note I there. I will say, to some credit, the fans who were at the game who were not Notre Dame alum, the tailgate people were much friendlier than the actual people with Notre Dame connection. Where you lose me is the people in Boston who had ever gone west of, uh, you know, west of 91, basically, but they have, you know, 20% Irish in them. So they go around saying that they're, you know, huge Notre Dame people. Those people really bother me. The, you know, salt of the earth, Indiana corn fed people who, you know, don't know the left from the right, whatever, you know, they're just dumb football fans, you know, dumb they couldn't get it. Uh, whatever. I don't need to. I don't need to pour it on. They were nice. Uh, we'll leave it at that. The shake shot or the uh, steak and shake in, in South Bend uh, is delicious as well. So good on them for that. Uh, but just the, you know, another fun fact, taking it back to uh, the whole Irish thing. They were actually founded by French priests, uh, which people don't talk about enough. Whereas, <laughs> whereas Boston College was founded by Irish priests uh, for the working class Irish Catholics in Boston. So, you know, all these, uh, you know, scally cap wearing guys rolling, uh, rolling around Southie, you know, wearing the Notre Dame gear, you know, maybe get in touch with the history a little bit and, uh, you know, respect your people. Uh, I've got a lot more fun facts. I don't know about you, but you know, I got, you know, let's I got go one, back and one, forth here. Yeah. Yeah. I got one more. So I, I can only do one more back and forth. So why don't you go first? Okay, sure. I don't want to steal yours. So I apologize. No, I, most of mine are made up here. Okay, so, okay good. Um, All right, so this is this is a real one that uh, is, I think, a lot of fun. Uh, Brian Kelly, their current head coach, is responsible, directly responsible, actually, for the death of a 20-year-old manager in 2010. Uh, he ignored safety warnings of putting a kid in a 50-foot scissor lift to film practice in 50-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, keep in mind, all experts said those uh, lifts should only be up in 20-mile-an-hour uh, winds or less. So he's over twice the limit on those. And he said, you know, too bad. Filming Notre Dame football is more important. Uh, get up there. Kid dies. Uh, lift falls down. Practice continues for a half hour after he died. And they, you know, never took a practice off from then on out. So uh, Brian Kelly, just this, you know, good uh, Catholic man going around killing student managers. So uh, uh, good for him there. Football guy move, kind of. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah, we don't skip. We don't skip back to dead people. All right, that's fair. Um, uh, last week at, at Notre Dame, this was at Notre Dame. Um, there was reported forty thousand Georgia fans that um, that actually outnumbered the Notre Dame fans. I read an article. And this was like a, supposed to be a neutral article that this is actually a compliment to Notre Dame because it shows that people from Georgia will make the trip. Forty thousand of them to, you know, take in uh, uh, Touchdown Jesus and just be a part of the greatness that is Notre Dame. Um, 
I also saw there was an, ar- an argument made in that same article. So I'll, I'm going to send the article out to the to you post a link here. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, it's okay that Notre Dame fans sold tickets to visitors. Fans who are treated like consumers will act like consumers. And that was like mic drop. I don't understand any of that. Um, but I'll tell you what, Notre Dame is a little bit like BC. Fans are down. You know, they went four and eight last year. Um, usually uh, the Georgia Bulldogs fans are taking over their stadium. Um, so that's, uh, that's another fun fact, but yeah, the art, this article, by the way, is SB nation. Uh, they're supposed to be new. It wasn't like a pro Notre Dame. I'm going to send it out. And then, yeah, we'll send it know. out. Uh, yeah. that first part was enough to induce vomiting. I think and the second part was quite frankly, just confusing. So, uh, I think I'm on the same boat with you there. Uh, two more, just real quick hitters, fun facts. Uh, in 2016, they swept a football player rape allegation under the rug, uh, again, because he's a football player, they kind of quietly uh, put the lawsuit away and, and kind of let him just transfer out of the school to not bring any shame on Notre Dame. So uh, that's nice. Those are the people that that you Irish fans are rooting for. Uh, and then they had to vacate. I think this was announced in December. All wins in 2012 and 2013, including that 12 and 0 season uh, where they went up against Notre Dame, you know, Lenny Kakua, her whole thing, uh, because of a cheating scandal. So, you know, just, you know, for all their holier than thou touchdown, Jesus, best program in, uh, you know, best program in, in American history. Tell you what, they've got, uh, they've got a lot of character issues over there. I think they need to look themselves in the mirror a bit here. They only vacate the wins. So the loss. Correct. So they still so lost. So they still lost. They still got blown they up. Still by lost Alabama. Alabama. Exactly. Um, so yeah, those were, cool. those were, those were fun it? facts. Those were, those were light. Those were, those were good stuff. Those just kind of got us uh, to know the university of Notre Dame a little bit better. All right. Let's jump into actually one of my favorite segments. My favorite's probably due to food. This is my second favorite segment. Um, the starting five plus the six man alumni. Uh, why don't you kick it off there? Matt? Sure. So my, uh, starting five of alumni, I'm going to go with a gentleman by the name of Quinn Denver. Uh, he was the he's most well known as the defense attorney for Ted Kaczynski, AKA the Unabomber. So uh, here's this Notre Dame alumni who willingly says, you know what, I'm going to take the side of this domestic terrorist. And I, I hope that, you know, if I do my job, well, he's going to, uh, he's going to go free. So uh, leading off my, my starting five is, is an alumni who is uh, directly supporting domestic terrorism. Uh, I'll go with Steve Bartman um, on my list here. Um, you know, he's the guy that single-handedly interfered with a uh, playoff ba- baseball game and costing the Cubs a, a chance at, at a championship and prolonging the, the curse of the Billy Goat. Sure. Um, yeah, I like that. Third on my list. Third on my list is uh, William Walden, who was the trader vice president on Homeland. Um, this is a television character, but they said he did go to Notre Dame. Oh, that's fantastic. He, he, he teamed up with, uh, and I don't remember this at all, Homeland really uh, – I tried to block that out of my mind. Well, hang on. Which season? Season, season three. Seasons were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, is... I don't remember, Matt. This was a really just a quick Google okay. uh, result okay. here. Um, but he, what I do know is that he teamed up with Abu Nazir, um, Ooh, I, I believe. He's and a bad this man. Is all just, yep. This is all based on, on memory slash uh, um, maybe adding in some, some okay, facts so... that might not be true. But he was the, the traitor, vice president, who was trying to become president and was trying to kill the existing president. And he teamed up with, with Brody and Abu Nazir. <laughs> And he's a traitor. Hmm, just seeing a little, seeing a little terrorism theme here. That's that's disturbing. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, getting off of the terrorism a little bit here. Uh, Going to actually keep it in the legal field as well. This is the fourth. Is this the the fourth pick? Correct. Yeah, we're on four. Yep. Okay, so I have two. I have two more, right? Correct. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Thomas Snedden. He is a prosecutor. Uh, again, his most famous case was prosecuting the Michael Jackson child sex abuse uh, case 
which I think just, you know, any of us watching from home would say, you know what, this is an absolute slam dunk. Obviously, MJ is, you know, super guilty. He absolutely loves diddling kids more than he loves doing the moonwalk, whatever. Anyways, this Thomas Stenning guy could not win this case. So uh, there goes Notre Dame alumni just putting completely incompetent professionals into the workforce and letting sexual predators uh, go free. Uh, and then my next one, the number five on the list, tell you what, I got a few good ones here, but I think the, you know, I think the answer has to be Rudy, uh, Rudy running yep. uh, you know, it's, it was, you know, such a heartwarming story. This, you know, basically whatever manager walk on, whatever goes and plays and, you know, Notre Dame, his dad's crying or whatever. I don't know. His dad might have died in the movie. I don't know, whatever it was. Anyways, this nice story turns he out. He was off sides. Everyone, yeah, he was off sides. I don't and, watch and, the movie because of that. It's a, it's a sham. And it turns out, basically, since leaving South Bend, uh, he's been committing securities fraud the entire time, uh, charged by the SEC. I think it was like a $400,000 fine. So, um, yeah, not a not a good dude, who, you know, I think is is – you know, the guy that all these Notre Dame alumni look at is like, oh, my God, this is Notre Dame football. Yeah, he's actually like a lying uh, scumbag who stole a bunch of money. So uh, those are those are mine. And then you got the sixth man. I was I was hoping that you would say that because um, I, I was going to have to include him as the sixth man if you did. But sure. I figured you would. The securities fraud really strikes a nerve with me. <laughs> um, my sixth man uh, is going to be Austin Swift, um, who is Taylor Swift's uh, loser brother, who you've never heard of, even though. She's the most famous person on the planet. Um, Austin was a bit of a nerd growing up. Um, I found a quote from him. He couldn't find um, any friends throughout much of his life, but, and this is a quote, I would go to the movies and Daniel Craig was my friend and Christian Bale was my friend and Clive Owen was my friend and Viggo Mortensen was my friend. I hate Swift this kid. Said. I hate this kid. <laughs> so that's I hate Austin, this kid Austin so Swift. Much. Um, shocker. He, he ended up fitting really well at, uh, at Notre that's Dame. That's such a Notre Dame answer. Oh, that my is, God, uh, I hate that guy. That's, that's our sixth man. Wow. So that's, that's quite a team there, I'll tell you what. Yeah, we got some we got some people supporting terrorism. We got some snotty, you know, brat kids. And then we got some uh, some securities fund. So that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a list right there. Uh, all right, so let's dive into the tailgate ability rankings. This is definitely going to be pretty high on the list. 3.30 kickoff, like I think we both said, is – you know, the best time. High 70s, weather is beautiful. Rivalry game. Uh, only downside here is is we stink, quite frankly. After last week, I think it got rid of a lot of the excitement. If we were 2-0, and this would be huge. Uh, they're 1-1 one and one coming off a, a, you know, a better loss, but still. Uh, but still, it's going to be a very high score. It should be pretty crowded. Beautiful weather. I'm going to go 26.4 out of 30. Uh, again, I could go higher if we were, you know, better ranked and, and there was just a little more buzz. And, you know, the rivalry is not... Uh, you know, as strong just because we haven't been that good. So 26.4 out of 40 natties is my uh, tailgate ability score. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement on that. The only, you know, way it could really be better is if we were undefeated. I'm, you know, honestly, I was surprised that they, they weren't ranked. Obviously, they lost to Georgia last week. Um, did you see? So they beat Temple in week one. Temple's brutal. And then they snuck it in, in, in as the, uh, the 24 ranked team after that. Did you see that? They were ranked last week? Yeah, yep. Anyway, but so they're not ranked and we're not undefeated. So. Um, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, we'll jump into a, a little bit of football talk. So uh, Notre Dame is one and one, as we said. They uh, they had a tough game against Georgia. Uh, they ended up losing twenty to nineteen. I will say that Georgia uh, didn't have their starting quarterback, so that's important to note. It wasn't a, a Georgia team at full strength. Um, so and it wasn't home as well. So listen, I'm, I'm on record saying I don't think Notre Dame's going to be that good this year. They sucked last year. They lost their quarterback. 
Turns out their new quarterback, Brandon Wimbush, is uh, is actually kind of a stud. He's been running all over the field. Um, we do well with mobile quarterbacks, right? So that, that bodes well for us. Sorry, guys, Sar- that's, that's, is that, is that sarcastic? That is sarcastic, <laughs> yes. Just to be clear. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're a 13-and-a-half-point dog, which, which I think is probably um, – you know, I think that's fair. I'm going to bet BC. I'm going to bet BC big because we always play them close. We play them close usually, I'll say. Like every other year, and yeah. I think we're we're probably due for not. I was close I was looking at that. I was looking at the the historical too because I was always like, oh, we played them so close. We, we played, played them played better on the road. We played yeah. we played really close. Family. We played them really close both times in Notre Dame, uh, our freshman year, and then when we were there junior year, and then the other two at home, we got kind of destroyed. Senior year when they were number one in the country and sophomore year. I mean, it was you know, which I could see a game like this being where it just ends up being like not exciting. It's not like we lose by fifty, but we just lose you know like a Wake Forest score like thirty four to ten. Right. Um, but, I, 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 yeah, I'll get to my prediction in a bit, but I'm kind of with you on that. So just a little history. Uh, you know, they've beat us the last five times. We did beat them the previous six times, though, so that's important to note. Uh, all time, they lead the series 14 to 9. Um, I do want to note that everyone, you hear about Notre Dame a lot and how they're good at football. They haven't won a, a, a championship um, since either of us have been alive. It's, it was back in, in 1988. Just wanted to throw that in there just because people seem to, to not remember that fact that Although people are Notre Dame fans, uh, you know, a lot of them our age uh, actually haven't seen any type of championship. And, and, and by the way, keep in mind, that's in the poll era, too. So that's not saying, hey, they actually had to go necessarily beat the best team. I think they were in, were they, uh, what was that, the Rose? Was that the Rose Bowl? Um, I'm not sure what it was, but basically it's not necessarily, a, you know, consensus. It's not even BCS. It's not even like, hey, they're the consensus. You're, you're, you're the clear number one. Uh, there could have been, you know, a phenomenal team somewhere else in the country that they just didn't even have to see. So I want to put a little all, asterisk next to that as well. Right, right. And if, it, if it's voting, then Notre Dame's going to get the benefit of the right. doubt. So, yeah, there's no shocker there. Uh, they're actually, I think they're, I saw something, they're 2-11 in their last 13 bowl games. That can't be right, but I think it actually is. Um, yeah, because they get put against like really good they teams. Do. They beat right. up. They beat up on Temples and Air Force, it's, and quite frankly BC. And then they go to the opposite and play of BC. Stanford or you know anyone good, and right. they fall apart. So we we play shitty teams and and bulls that that are way beneath us. And right. while we were ripping off that what was it ten in a row, whatever it was, bull streak. Yeah, they were ripping no- off. They were ripping off their own eight or nine uh, uh, bull loss streak as well. Right, so right. Um, from a matchup standpoint. I don't know what to tell you guys. If we turn the ball over like we did last week, we're not going to beat uh, my high school team. But, you know, if we don't, if we play a good game and, and Brown, Brown needs to start running the football, man. He's supposed yeah, to be a I dual agree. threat. He, he has less than 20. Give it Tyler Murphy on the, on the, Let's Put a Tyler Murphy offense in place and just go with that. We you got to change works, something up. Yeah. Uh, if the O-line brings it, uh, I, th- I, lo- I thought the defense looked okay last week minus, you know, having a you know, guard a, a, or defend a 20, 20 yard field, every single play, every single possession. Um, you know, I think that, honestly, they have a chance in this. If they, like I said, they force some turnovers, they, um, you know, they take care of the football, and something good happens that we don't even know about yet. My official prediction here is BC 22, Notre Dame 21. I hate, uh, it. I hate D- us so much. <laughs> need the D to, yeah, but you knew this was coming. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to go 10-2 and two this year, and they need this game. Otherwise, we have to win the rest of them. So, I, I got a stew in, what was that, three field goals, and I, I don't know the math. So we're we're going to win by one point. There's going to be a lot of turnovers. Weird. Our defense plays well. Landry has five sacks, and uh, yeah. that's 22-21. All right, Lock I it, it in. I'm going to go. So, I mean, again, I think our offensive line is in shambles, obviously, with all the injuries. Their front seven is strong. So that could mean a uh, very no bueno day for, uh, for the Maroon and Gold. I think everything on paper says we will lose, and it's not going to be close. Personally, in my head, I, I just have the, or my gut, I should say, I have this feeling that we're going to lose and it's not going to be close. 
But with all of that said, and with all of that thrown out the window, Brian Kelly is a horrible coach. Uh, they're not that good. Daz, like we said, has played them well, you know, most of the time. Uh, and this just to me feels like, you know, this, this just could be the easy nail in the coffin for Brian Kelly. This, uh, and, and the loss last week, by the way, feels somewhat reminiscent of the horrible loss to Pitt, like we said the week before beating USC. So uh, I think with, with that, uh, I do think we find a way to shock the world. Our scores are are eerily similar. I am twenty four to twenty three. Uh, again, that's three touchdowns and a field goal for us, and I guess two touchdowns and three field goals for them. So uh, we both have one point wins in the low twenties. I think we are both going to be heartbroken. Come about what's a three thirty kickoff? We'll probably heartbroken, but about four fifteen or so. Uh, on Saturday, but you know until what, then, we're, until we're then we got to believe, right? We're playing with house money. We lost yeah. to Wake Forest. This, this, this season's already over. We are going 10-2, and two, but as of this point in the season, the season's over. If we beat Notre Dame, I mean, no one's expecting this at this point. I secretly kind of am, but I don't know. Let's just – I'm almost glad right? we lost to Wake Forest, right? Take the pressure yeah. off. Take all exactly. the pressure off. Exactly. Because, by the way, exactly. if we somehow won last week against Notre Dame or against Wake, I think we're predicting like 14-point wins. It's not even close. So uh, maybe it is good to get let down a little softer there and, you know, take the blunt to get, or, you know, take the brunt of the, of the uh, loss against uh, Wake rather than, uh, rather than Notre Dame. But, but there we are. We're at one-point wins in the low 20s. So uh, either way, it's, it is rivalry week. should be an awesome time on Saturday. Weather's going to be beautiful. So uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully this this uh, lit a fire for your hate for Notre Dame and, and gets everyone excited. Uh, hopefully listening up on the road back to Boston or wherever you're going to watch the game this weekend. Uh, as always, go Eagles. you got to believe. We'll see you Saturday. It's always a great day to be a dude.